Welcome to Experts Only Podcast, sponsored by Clean Capital. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Each week, we explore the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance with leaders across the industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for joining us here on Experts Only Podcast. I'm the host, John Powers. Today, we're speaking with Michael Terrell, who leads energy market strategy at Google. Uh, Michael's helped develop and lead the business team there that's responsible for everything from the company's data center to their global energy portfolio. And, and in that role, Mike's advanced, Michael's advanced new approaches to Google's procurement of over three gigawatts of renewable energy power. Um, they pioneered some of the first of its, their kind renewable energy purchases, both in the U.S. and overseas. Um, and they're really, you know, Michael will talk about this in the podcast, but really developing markets that maybe previously didn't exist, helping to meet both Google's needs and those in the market. So I hope you enjoy. Michael, thanks so much for joining us at Experts Only Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, you know, I think your bio sums it up really well. You know, before you ended up at, at Google, you were, you were bouncing around a bit. You actually have a very similar background that, uh, that I do. You've, you've covered a lot uh, in your career, including law school, working at the White House Council on Environmental Quality, being a policy aide at the State Department, uh, you know, legal work at places like uh, Baker and McKenzie. And then obviously, you know, you ended up uh, working yourself up at Google to be the, the head of energy market development. But before that, you know, before that, stepping back, sort of what first triggered your interest in the energy and climate space? Well, thanks, John. Well, actually, my family was in the energy business, um, although not, not what you would have thought. Uh, my grandfather owned a, a coal mining company in the really? southeast U.S., and uh, which had a number of uh, mines. And I used to actually, as a kid, uh, go to the mines with my grandfather and look at rocks and uh, really got into you know, you know, energy from that angle, and especially geology. I went to to college and studied forestry and geology. But um, but my interest in energy goes way way back to the beginning. Uh, and I you know I like to say that my family wasn't in the coal business; we were in the energy business, and and the right. energy business has been changing. Um, but that's really um, how I initially was exposed to it growing up. Oh, that's interesting. And how did you go from you know being in uh, hands on in the coal mine to sort of the policy side of it? So when I was in uh, in college, I spent my my summers out working for the Forest Service and the the Park Service in Oregon and Washington State, and I was fascinated by the way that the policies were set at those um, national forests and national parks. And it was very obvious from being out there that decisions that were being made in Washington um, had far-reaching effect uh, across the country. Right. And, uh, you know, second to my interest in forestry and geology, I'd always had an interest in policy and political science. And uh, so I went to D.C. after school uh, and uh, got uh, a, a, an internship at the White House where I was really exposed to this intersection of, you know, policy and science and environmental science and energy and, um, and, and really worked, worked my way up from there. But it was a really great um, exposure to sort of being out in the field and seeing how policy decisions actually affect the real world and then getting the chance to go to D.C. and be part of uh, making those policy decisions. So, so how does your, you know, your family that was in the energy business you know, early on in your, your life sort of view what you're doing today? 
<laughs> well, there's a lot of support. Uh, there wasn't initially, and I and I actually yeah. still have members of my family who are in the uh, the coal business. But uh, I think they understand, um, you, you know, the the case for what I'm doing. And I, what I love about um, being involved in the energy space, and especially clean energy, is that there's a really strong business case, um, and there's a strong case for advancing technology and economic growth that 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 comes along with it. And I think that's something that resonates with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things we focus heavily on, uh, not just in capital, but on this podcast is is the business case and the investment case. And of course, the jobs, right? The jobs opportunity to grow through this. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you go from, you know, the policy side into, you were at, at sort of Van Ness Feldman, right? Working in energy and climate and then into Google. Mm-hmm. Well, again, because I came from a family that was very, uh, very a very business focused family. My my grandfather was a CEO, um, and and so I always, you know, really was interested in the 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 scale that you can drive from the business perspective and and the rigor and the discipline that it imposes on you in terms of having to make a business successful. Um, and when I was in Washington working on policy. I got really interested in um, you know the, how the energy sector was evolving, how policy intersected with that, and because of that, I was exposed to uh, some of the newer things that were happening in the industry, the evolution of the industry. So the early days of of solar and wind and clean energy and and, and its intersection with climate, and I really saw how. Uh, businesses could have a huge role to play in driving the future, and I really wanted to be a part of that. and uh, And that's what ultimately led me to, uh, to to Google, which was you know really really being forward looking, looking at the evolution of technology, and looking at how uh, business can affect the um, the evolution of the energy space. Yeah, so there obviously has been an evolution in the, the energy and climate space, and more and more corporates are standing up and committing to renewable energy. And- and carbon goals, but the reality at Google, this is not something new, right? It's not a, only a current, current initiative, but it sort of is at the the heart of the culture of Google. Can you talk a little bit about that history and what's driving that? Yeah, yeah, and it really stems from our founders, uh, Larry and Sergey. They they had a, a personal interest in the energy space um, early on, and really in the early days of the company, brought that to the table and. As we uh, started to have more of a, of a exposure in the energy space, or more of a footprint, so so to speak, in terms of building data centers and uh, powering computer servers with energy, there was a really nice intersection there with the interest in in energy and and in uh, in Google being a part of the solution and and the growth of the business. And uh, and so yeah, very from the early days, there was a lot of interest in uh, in really trying to take the sector forward and. We did early projects. We didn't. We didn't always succeed, but we did early projects around um, electric vehicles, for example. I remember right. uh, we had engineers who rigged Toyota Priuses back then uh, to to be plug-in vehicles. And at the time, there were there were no plug-in vehicles other than the very very early Teslas. Uh, we had other projects around um, deploying renewables at scale on our rooftops. Uh, and other projects around energy efficiency and, and access to in- information. So it's really been embedded in the DNA here from an early, um, from early, from the early days. Uh, Google at its heart is an engineering company, and we have a lot of uh, engineers here who are really interested in solving problems and solving technology problems. And you know, there's there's no bigger challenge than uh, than really um, how to transform the energy space. Yeah, it's always interesting to me when I hear of uh, the different players who've come and been been a part of the efforts there, from a, a room of Jumdar who led our you know 
ARPA E. Um, obviously, my friend Kate Brandt doing sustainability there. You know, when I was working in the White House, there were always interesting efforts going around, not just energy and climate, but but building and energy efficiency and using data to sort of better understand what's happening across that spectrum. I mean, such an interesting breadth. Uh, but you know, one of the things that as you're looking sort of now to, I mean, you're not looking to grow operations, your operations are, have grown or continuing to grow. The way big corporates are buying electricity has changed dramatically in the last 10 years, right? It went from where people just paid their utility bill and probably negotiated a better rate to having, you know, sophisticated energy procurement shops. You guys obviously are leading the way a little bit there. Can you talk about what it's like within Google on those efforts? What do those teams look like that are sort of, uh, looking at opportunities? Yeah, and I think we've been lucky in that we're still a very young company and we've we've really, you know, been inventing this as a, as we go along as we've been growing the business. And so it's really only been in the last 10 years or so where Google's had the electricity load and the, the global electricity consumption to really justify making big bets around renewable energy. Uh, but, you know, we were able to sort of build the team from the ground up because we were building the company from the ground up and we were inventing right. how to do data centers and computing and networking as we went along. And energy was just a part of that. We uh, we actually design and build our own servers. We've had a lot of work we've done around how to make data centers efficient and how we deal with the power supply for those data centers is really no different. And, and it was always asking the question, you know, what's the best thing we can do and do we need to do it ourselves if the market doesn't provide for that? And that's really how we got our start was that the market didn't provide for what we were looking for. We were, we were expanding and building data centers and looking for ways to, to find a renewable energy power supply for them. And the market wasn't offering it and utility providers weren't offering it. They had never really conceived of the idea of offering um, renewables to customers on a tailored basis. And so we went out and did our you know first deals on our own, working to, going directly to um, wind developers and uh, and offering to offtake um, all of the energy from their wind farms if they were to build them in the vicinity of our data centers. So we really um, got started by just you know finding a way to do this on our own and 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 really sort of solving the market problem for ourselves. And then I think as we've gotten uh, more experience, we've seen others get into the space and uh, you know, it's really started to gain momentum, and you're seeing a lot more companies um, who are taking an interest in um, in renewables. And so it's 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 super exciting. Not everybody has the the um, the capacity that we have, but um, but there's a lot of opportunity there. And we have a we've really built a, a pretty amazing energy team here that consists of people who have come from all walks of the industry, whether it's utilities or solar and wind developers or investment firms or others. And so we do have a really strong energy team here now at Google that's thinking about this every day and how to solve these problems, not only for us, but for the, um, for the sector at large. Yeah. So for, for the sector at large, right, let's talk domestic U.S. here first. You know, procuring energy obviously can be incredibly challenging. You're sort of working across 50 different energy fiefdoms when you think about state policy and regulation. But you guys have had some great success, right? Since 2010, Google signed more than 30 solar and wind projects across the U.S. and Europe, making you one of the largest corporate procurers for renewable energy. How Talk a little bit about your role as the head of energy market development, how you get involved in that. And then I, I want to hear a little bit about how the team – uh, that, that that's making these decisions and these looking at these procurement opportunities are pri prioritizing them and figuring out, you know, there's obviously a tremendous amount of opportunity. How do you determine where to head, head next? 
Yeah. Well, as the head of market development, what that means for the layperson is is that I, I change the markets to 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 make meet the needs of our business. And and what we found is that almost no electricity market in the world actually meets all the needs of our business or a lot of other businesses. And right. Because they really are in many ways um, still locked in the past and we really need to bring them and, and modernize uh, energy markets and make them really serve the customer of the future, not just Google, but others. And so what we've had to do is to go in and change the market rules and, and change the way that markets work to, to meet the needs of our business. The, the first way we did this was we went to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and got wholesale market authority to go buy and sell power on the wholesale market. So we could go directly to wind developers and and get wind farms built to serve our business. We then went to utilities and 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 really encouraged them and urged them and worked with them in partnership to create new purchase programs for large corporates or others who wanted to buy renewable energy on a very large scale and couldn't do it behind the meter. And we call those green tariff programs. And we did our first one right. with North Carolina in, in 2013. And you've now seen dozens of states uh, adopt these kinds of programs. And in fact, what to me is pretty amazing is that you really don't see any utility these days who doesn't have some sort of a renewable energy offering for customers like us. And I think that's, um, that, that's a lot of progress. And, but we still have a long way to go. And, and, and we can talk about that. But you know, every market is different. And we've had to sort of look for solutions that fit whichever particular market that we're in or will go to markets because they offer a particular um, solution. Your question on how does the team prioritize? Uh, well, we look firstly at where we where we have operations. Google put data centers in places years ago. We weren't really thinking about getting to the scale that we've been now. We weren't really thinking about how we would add, uh, supply clean power on a large scale. Um, and so we've looked at the markets where we've had existing data centers and looked for ways to solve for those markets. So, for example, North Carolina is a great a great example of that, where we worked with utility provider there to create a green purchase program. We've done the same in Georgia. We've done the same in, in other markets as well. Um, and then secondly, we're looking where do we want to expand and, and where are the new places that we want to go. And we're lucky enough that uh, we're still very early in the growth of cloud computing. And so we're still expanding right. quite a bit as a business. And so that opens up lots of possibilities to go to, um, to, go to new places. And so, I mean, you, you guys aren't acting as the developers, right? So you're entering into, or are you? No, I mean we. Yeah, that, that's something that we really leave to the market. So we yeah. will um, we'll do one of a couple of things. We'll, we'll we'll issue RFPs um, out to renewable energy developers, and they'll come back to us with um, you know a, a, we'll, we'll we'll issue a set of criteria, and they'll come back to us with project ideas that meet those criteria. Or we'll work with utilities, and then have the utilities go out and reach out to the developer community to to go and find projects. So it's a it's a little bit of a, a mix of um, of both. And, you know, in, in scale of projects, you know, g give a sense of what you're seeing and, you know, are the RFPs in the tens of megawatts? Are they are you, are there single digit opportunities or are these all, you know, sort of triple digit megawatt yeah. yeah. So our data centers that we own and operate um, are can get into the dozens of megawatts or even greater. And so we really are looking to procure renewables on a very large scale. And if you if you take into account the capacity factors of wind and solar, you know that can translate into projects that are uh, you know 200 megawatts or 250 megawatts. So we're we're certainly looking at you know that kind of scale uh, with with the projects that we're um, trying to sign up. Yeah, but you guys have a goal of three gigawatts, right, of renewables. We've now yeah we we have a we've now pre signed contracts for over three gigawatts of renewables. Wow. We've That's set a goal as a company to match 100% of our 
um, energy consumption with purchases of renewable energy. And uh, in 2017, which is our most recent uh, number, we, we use 7.6 terawatt hours of um, electricity. So there, that's a lot of renewables that we need to purchase. So we've, we've done deals for over three gigawatts. And, and as I like to say, we're just, uh, we're just getting started. Yeah. In, in what you're seeing develop, uh, especially, you know, while we're talking about policy and market development, are you seeing storage play more and more of a role as that space is beginning to mature? Yeah, I think it's fascinating. It, you know, it reminds me of where we were with solar a few years ago, where the the costs are are really starting to come down and get competitive, and they're and they're only headed in a downward uh, on a downward trajectory, yeah. which is a good thing in this case. So, so yeah, so we're seeing lots more deals um, or offers with uh, so, with storage paired with uh, solar and even wind, and uh, and so there's a lot of opportunity for that. You know, in markets, um, it tends to, to to pencil out better in some of the higher cost markets, which is not always sure. where we have data centers. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I think it's exciting. I think the next the next few years in, the, in, in that space are going to be incredibly exciting. And how much of your efforts revolve around the data centers versus sort of the rest of the operations? Yeah, so we cover our our group covers renewable purchases for the whole company. So yeah, we, we exactly. do help with uh, our, our buildings team with doing deals for that, and uh, also work with our other partners, other Alphabet companies. So it's uh, it, it's really great. It gives us an opportunity to work with. Uh, oh, so you guys work across the whole Alphabet portfolio, not just. Yeah, and and we our renewable purchases. Our one hundred percent renewable energy goal is actually an Alphabet wide goal. Oh, excellent, excellent. So. Want to come back to you were talking a little bit earlier about sort of the growth of the corporate procurement space in general, right? I mean, Bloomberg New Energy Finance put out some great numbers uh, earlier this year that 13.4 gigawatts of corporate clean energy contracts were signed in 2008 or 18. This is an increase of 200% from the year before, and more and more players are are getting involved. So as you think about you know those market conversations you're having, maybe at the PUCs or at the state level. How is the dialogue changing now when you're sitting on the other end of the table from the utilities? Are they, uh, obviously it's probably a state-by-state thing, but are they more welcoming to your message? Do you, you know, you're able to sort of flex your job and job and business strength in those dialogues differently than you could before? Well, one thing about corporate renewables, I mean, I mean you're seeing corporate renewable demand drive more renewables onto the grid than RPSs did historically, yeah. which is pretty totally. incredible, and 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 this is a, a huge uh, pent up demand, I would say. So if you look at some of the groups that are out there, the Renewable Energy Buyers Alliance has a, a group of companies of which we're a member that set up a, a goal to purchase 60 gigawatts by 2025. Um, RE100, which is an effort based out of um, London, has a, a, a group of member companies, and collectively they've agreed, they've pledged to buy over 87 gigawatts of renewables by 2030. So there's a huge demand out there and it's really being driven by these, uh, by the purchasers, by the ones who are actually buying the power. And I really think that that's what's going to shape the markets in the future. And it's another one of the things that's really excited, exciting about how the energy space has evolved is that there's all of these new players now. And I I think that really adds and, and, and creates the opportunity for more innovation because the more players, the more of an active marketplace you have, the faster that marketplace is going to innovate. And that's a good thing when it comes to trying to drive carbon free energy and solve for climate change. And so this new group of players, these corporate uh, renewable energy purchasers are, are doing just that and are really 
um, driving the direction of the markets and you're seeing utilities respond. You're seeing policymakers respond. For example, we just saw in the last few weeks, uh, we announced our first renewable energy deal in Taiwan and we saw the, wow. the government of Taiwan change their law to allow uh, companies who want to buy renewable energies to do that. And we've seen that happen in multiple states. We've seen the European Union get more active in helping to facilitate these deals. So um, it's an incredibly exciting time to be in the space. That said, we still have a long way to go. There's only probably about, um, if you look at the Bloomberg numbers, I would say 50 to 100 companies who are doing these deals on a sort of big scale, on a large scale, a big basis. And you know, how do we take 100 companies to 100,000 companies? Because that's what it's really going to take. And that's really where the markets are heading. So I, I want to come back to that in one second. But you know, when you're looking at deals like the one in Taiwan or even here domestically, since you're working through the developers, they're handling the finance on the other side, right? Are you guys doing any of that off your books? We tend to not uh, get involved with the financing at this point. We have right. in the past uh, gotten involved on the, finance, on, the, on the investment side, and we've done some deals through that. But m- more recently, it's been mostly just as a purchaser, signing a PPA. Excellent. So going back to your, your, your point about getting more involved. So obviously, a lot of companies out there don't have the resources Google does to build out the sophisticated teams you guys have that are really changing and opening markets. So if you're a, you know, a smaller uh, corporate looking to grow in this space, because it is a state by state effort, for instance, you know, how do you, what advice do you have for them to, to get engaged, uh, maybe on policy? Is it organizations like Reba? Like, where should they start to get involved to, to work their way into uh, the path that you guys have, have uh, created? Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely getting involved and in finding partners, um, whether it's a local partner. If you look at many, many states and many locations, there's usually a local uh, business council or a local clean energy group that's um, a good place to work with partners. Or there's national organizations. Uh, we mentioned the Renewable Energy Buyers Alliance. There's also the Advanced Energy Economy, a couple more. Um, and it's a great place for for companies who don't have all the resources and, and large energy teams that companies like Google have to go and get help and expertise and training and, and find ways to do deals uh, or partner with others to do deals. And, and I think, you know, we're actually members of these organizations really to try to share some of our knowledge. We recognize that we have a unique place in the market and that we have a unique team here and we want to share as much of that knowledge as possible. And also, uh, we recognize that we're on the frontier of a, where a lot of these deals are happening, and we want to be able to share that um, experience and knowledge with other companies too. So, so there's there's really terrific organizations out there. I think Reba uh, is is one that's almost a one stop shop now for companies who are looking to get into the renewable space. So there's a lot of resources out there for people who who don't have large energy teams. Yeah, we've been talking. I know Miranda Valentine well there, and actually Clean Capital is hopefully going to be joining soon. We're big fans of the work that that she's been doing. Uh, hope to actually have her on the podcast soon to talk about it. So going back to it, you mentioned about advice. I you know, wanted to sort of end with a pretty standard question I asked to, to everyone who, who joins. And you know, you've had such a, a fascinating career. You're doing transformational work today, you know, driving uh, one of the most uh, transformational companies on their efforts around, around clean energy. But if you sort of step back to visit yourself when you were uh, graduating from forestry school, for instance, and could sit down and have a beer, you know, what piece of advice would you give yourself? <laughs> that, that's a great question. I, I think actually, 
to have a blend of impatience and patience. So on the one hand, impatience, which is one of the things that led me out to Silicon Valley, which is that I was getting frustrated with the pace of change that I was, uh, that was happening in Washington. And I wanted to move at a faster pace. I was, I really felt the urgent need to, to be solving for climate change. And that led me to Silicon Valley where things move incredibly fast here. And, and, and I really wanted to be part of that and really wanted to be able to drive change at a faster pace. On the other hand, it's useful to have patience. You, sometimes you have to uh, let the let the markets play out, or let the costs come down, or let the technology mature. And it's, sometimes that can seem like an eternity, but then when it gets to a sort of tipping point, things happen very quickly. So you've seen that with solar. Like if you were impatient about solar in in 2005 or 2006 or 2007 you could get very frustrated and want to leave the space altogether right and if you had done that you would have missed this incredible wave and and rush we've seen that's come since then um you could say the same thing with with batteries today and i think you could say the same thing with empowering anyone who wants to have access to clean energy anyone who wants to be 100 percent renewable um the pace of change sort of seems to be slow but if you're just patient and, and continue uh, pushing on the levers that we think are going to really open things up, things will um, hopefully blow open and move really fast. Yeah, well, thank you. And thank you for your leadership and helping to open up some of these opportunities. I think you're right. I think the, the market's been, been transforming in a way I imagine no one would even have considered 20 years ago. Uh, in the last 10 years, the, the ramp up is, is happening and continues to grow. And it's because of leaders like, like Google and yourself that are helping to do that. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Terrific. Thanks, John, for having me. Thanks so much to Michael Terrell for joining us at Experts Only Podcast. What an interesting conversation and great advice. And for those looking to learn more, you can always check out Google's uh, some of the Google's tools. They've got a sustainability.google website where you can learn about some of the amazing things that are happening in this space. Also, I think as Michael suggested, the Renewable Energy Buyer Alliance and other platforms like that are great to learn about policy and where to get involved and opportunities for, for procurement. So I'd like to thank our producers, Lauren Glickman and our intern, Darnell Lubin, for their work on this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. If you have advice, please go to cleancapital.com and, and let us know your thoughts on folks we should be interviewing. And for more episodes, you can get them there. And as always, we look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for listening in today's conversation. Find more episodes on cleancapital.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to continuing our conversation on energy, innovation, and finance with you.